This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. Okay, hello and welcome to the Blueprint Review Podcast. Uh, we are back. Uh, I know on the first episode, I promised we'd be uh, we'd be sticking to it every month, kind of the end of the month, um, keeping it regular. We've already failed, like at the very first hurdle. I did squeeze that extra bonus episode in, but it was only like two minutes long and had the kids in it. Uh, but I'm back. I was determined. Um, I, I struggled to get the uh, kind of Blueprint Review writers on board, but luckily I have found some guests who have jumped in at the last minute. I'm very, very grateful for. First up, we have Elwood Jones. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us where you're from? Well, hi, everyone. I'm from many places, much <laughs> like the Ven, and uh, most common place that you can find me would be uh, with Moose and Tea, which I make uh, produce with Kim Lowe. And uh, my other show is the Asian Cinema Film Club, which I do with the professor, Mr. Stephen Palmer. And uh, yeah, we're just uh, out there talking about, we're either re-evaluating director filmographies or talking about the we're in a wonderful world of Asian cinema, so that's my my two main outlets at the moment. Awesome. Well, I, I do I do occasionally uh, throw some of my posts your way for for, for the for the latter. I've you got have, a ha- I've got a habit of forgetting to tell you when I post the Asian stuff. Though, <laughs> um, in fact, I did I, I did a, an epic review of the Coriander box set. I'm not sure if I ever forwarded that onto you, but I shall have to do that because um, that was amazing. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a Blu-ray of the year, but uh, we shall see. <laughs> Yeah, we like to, uh, other than the blog, we like to, you know, we branch out other than the podcast. We've got our mixtape on there. We've got uh, the anime vault. We've obviously got the movie vault with reviews from yourself. And uh, yeah, I think we just, we're constantly trying to find new ways to branch out what we do on the show and keep things interesting, not only for ourselves, but for people checking it out. So, Excellent. Good stuff. And also with us this evening, we have Mr. Jason Soto. And, and how about yourself? Uh where do you hail from in the blogosphere, whatever you want to call it? <laughs> well, first off, I want to state that I am, in fact, the only American here on this podcast. So <laughs> take that for what you want. I guess I guess you needed someone to protect you with the guns and the water down here. <laughs> America, hell yeah! Te- I'll stop you there, though. Technically, you are wrong. I I, I am actually half American. My uh, my mum is American, so um, uh, my ha- half of my family are over there. But I've always lived in the UK. Obviously, you can probably hear that. But I am technically I'm half American. <laughs> yeah, I, I've heard the I'm um, technically a something before. So, <laughs> all right. Well, I'm the I'm the only 100% American. So <laughs> True. There you go. Uh, all right. So uh, I currently have a podcast uh, with my friend Rachel Thoreau, and it's called Maniac with a Machete. And what it is is we are going through every single uh, entry in the Friday the 13th series. And uh, the reason we're doing that is because Rachel has not seen any of them. Uh, whereas I've seen almost all of them like a thousand times. And so we just kind of give like a fresh retrospective look on, you know, these movies from the eyes of someone who's never seen it and someone who's seen them a thousand times. And hilarity often ensues. And uh, we just wrapped up episode seven uh, where we talked about Friday 13th part seven, a.k.a. the one with the psychic lady fighting Jason Voorhees. Uh, so that was a lot of fun to talk about. Um, you can find us, uh, mainly on Facebook, facebook.com slash maniac with the machete, uh, or run several different, uh, podcasts, platforms, Spotify, iTunes, Google play, 
uh, uh, Podomatic, and SoundCloud. We're going to be doing some SoundCloud rap eventually. Awesome. We drop some fresh beats. Look forward to that. Uh, but that's where you can find me at. Good stuff. Excellent. Well, thanks again. Many thanks for coming here. This is literally like a uh, just this today you have been kind of did a shout out. So um, much appreciated. Cool. Well, as an American, I look forward to taking over another country's podcast. So. <laughs> Excellent. Cool. Well, let's jump straight into uh, trailers and have a look at what's coming up next. Uh, I've actually seen quite a lot since the last podcast. Uh, I-, I used to not be very good with trailers, but I think since the podcast is coming up, I've been trying to check out more. And there's loads that I could talk about. But I think I'm, I'm going to jump in there. I'm going to talk about uh, The Day Shall Come, which is one of the more recent trailers that I saw. And that sees uh, Chris Morris return to the directorial fold after kind of disappearing after, I want to say three lines, but it's four lines, isn't it? <laughs> uh, but yeah, after four lines. And uh, this, I don't know if you guys have seen the trailer, but um, it's it looks kind of in the similar vein to four lines. It's about kind of wannabe terrorists. Uh, the leader is, looks a bit bonkers, like he doesn't, uh, they don't really know what they're doing. And they're they're actually anti-weapon. Like he's trying to teach them all self-defense and all this kind of stuff. And it's all they all they all look a bit wacky and a bit useless. But what happens is um, Anna Kendricks uh, is an FBI agent, and uh, what they're trying to do is is they're trying to find some extremists that they can fund to kind of uh, make it look as though they they're about to start some kind of terrorist terrorist act, so that they can jump in there and stop it. And then it makes the FBI look amazing. It makes the America look amazing. They're saving the day from these terrorists. Um, so she's trying to fund and kind of get this useless extremist group um, off the ground. So it's it's obviously very satirical. It looks very funny. Uh, it it just looks fantastic. It, it, I, I love Tall Lions, and uh, and I think this kind of hopefully will reach that similar peak. But yeah, did, did any of you guys see this? Uh, no, it's the first I've heard of it, and this is surprising because I'm a big Chris Morris fan. I mean, since the day today in Brass Eye and fruit to his work that he's obviously been doing more recently on Veep, um, Chris Morris has always remained this sort of like strange entity, especially in the British comedy scene. He's always been like the outlaw guy, and especially when you consider he was like coming up with the likes of Alexis Sale and um, like Rick Mail and stuff, and he's sort of like always been the guy who's out there on the fringes. and. The problem with Chris Morris is I'm never sure which one you're going to get, whether you're going to get the really dark satirical guy who did like Brass Iron Day Today, or you're going to get the guy who's just like really out there who did like Jam, which yeah. is just the blackest of black humor. Um, and certainly from the sounds of this, it sounds like more of the same that we got with uh, Four Lines, but it's sort of like the terrorist, but the bumbling idiots at the same time. And yeah. it also taps into this, that sort of popular theory that the CIA have often created conflicts and things such as like Saddam was just some random actor that they brought in and every time they need a good conflict they just put him on screen to rattle his saber um to yeah. sort of they so they could uh fund the old war tre- war chest so yeah it wouldn't surprise me Chris Morris has obviously uh found some new conspiracy theory to tap into and this it sounds like a great premise I've yet to see a, a trailer but I like Anna Kendrick and that's uh that's a good start yeah, I, I've just quickly looked it up on IMDb. It's had a few reviews. So I think it must have played. Um, must be. It must have played at a festival somewhere because some, some people seem to have seen it. And that, yeah, some pretty decent reviews so far. So yeah, I'm definitely, definitely looking forward to that. Cool. How about you guys, uh, Edward? Have you seen any trailers recently? No, not so much trailers, but obviously looking at what's uh, coming up. I mean, we do have the sequel to Forty Seven Meters Down, which I'm sure everyone's anticipating the release of. <laughs> oh. Um. I don't know when it's about shark movies. Every time one comes up, I'm just always kind of excited to 
<laughs> to see it. I don't. I think it's always a prospect that it's the asylum and not making a sharp movie that sort of adds to the anticipation that you know maybe this one is going to be like the Shallows and we're going to get a revival in decent sharp movies and maybe find something to rifle Jaws too. And you know, <laughs> evidently it's disappointing, but uh, you know you can but hope. Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, but I think the one everyone, the one I'm most sort of excited about, will be Zombieland Double Tap. Um, oh, yeah. Which, yeah. after the disappointment of the series, it's kind of like nice to see them coming back at it fresh. And I was kind of like half expecting that they would get the cast in the Zombieland TV series and just like have them like suddenly killed off randomly in the trailer. But the whole mirror joke thing that they're going for in the trailer was, you know, it was kind of funny. And I'm hoping that they don't overplay it in the actual film. And because Zombieland was such an original idea and premise. Um, there's always going to be this sort of like fear that they're going to overshoot it by trying to top what they did before. And there were so many bits that were so subtle and so perfect, like Bill Murray turning up as a zombie or um, just like Woody Harrison being on this epic quest for Twinkies. Just these really subtle ideas. I just really hope they don't overplay it by trying to go bigger and better with the sequel. So, Yeah. Yeah, we shall see. I still haven't seen the trailer for that, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I, to be honest, I didn't actually. I know very little about the series. I'm, I'm always years and like we're decades behind in my TV. So, um, I, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't actually realise as a series, but I, I did enjoy the first film. So, yeah, definitely looking forward to that one. Cool, uh, Jason. How about yourself? What have you been watching? I uh, keep rewatching the trailer for It Chapter Two. I am very, very much looking forward to that. Uh, the first it, I mean, I'll be honest, surprised me. Like I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was. I thought it would have been okay, um, but it completely surprised me and how fantastic of a job they did. Mm. Um, and then when they when it ended, uh, you know, saying that they were going to make a chapter two, I knew what was going to happen because I remember the series from the '90s, and there was going to be adult versions of it. And I loved the casting that they did for the adult versions. Like that was just such great casting that they got uh, Jessica Chastain and Bill Hader and um, James McAvoy in it. And like it's just, I think it's just going to be amazing. And I'm totally looking forward to it. And I guess it probably makes sense that me being the horror guy here uh, <laughs> kind of picked on this one. But uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know what you guys think, but I'm totally looking forward to it. Chapter two, I, uh, I think it looks awesome. Oh no, I'm, I'm there too. I, I, and I, I, I do like horror, but um, I'm always, uh, I, I missed a lot of horror when I was younger. I never, I only really got into it a bit later. And uh, I watch all sorts of films. So I still miss a lot, but um, I did catch um, it. Chapter one of the cinema, and I, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. So I'm, I'm definitely with you there. Um, I watched the, um, I think I watched the first trailer that came out, um, like the teaser one, and that, that was awesome. But I've been kind of, yeah. I think I've been avoiding some of the later ones. I kind of just want to go in a bit more fresh. But uh, that that first one certainly grabbed my attention. I, yeah, I'm de- I'm definitely definitely excited about chapter two. See, it's not it's yeah, not but... too far to go either. It's out pretty soon, isn't it? I'm, yeah. I'm around, uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, cool. I just hope it's different because when you had the TV series, the first part of the TV series was really awesome, really scary. And then we got the second part and it was sort of like 10 minutes of them dicking around on the bicycle high hill silver, which <laughs> two men ride pillion. It's like, you're kind of losing the horror here, guys. Um, so I'm hoping that with, obviously with Vit ch- Chapter 1, it was such a surprise, like the new scares they put in, like this completely new vision. I really enjoyed it. Uh, my wife didn't like it, so she said already she's not seen up It Chapter 2. So you know, I'll be going by myself if I see it. So, but um, yeah, I just hope that they 
still retain like the confidence to just keep going in their own direction and you know cut out those smolty bits of small town life that king loves to put in his books so much because i didn't want to watch two guys riding pillion on a bicycle in this new one it would just kill me to see that again <laughs> although to be honest i think one of the things i liked about it chapter one though was i actually quite liked the well i think it's more that it surprised me i was kind of expecting super scary horror and it was it was scary but i actually really liked the kind of camaraderie with the, the, the kind of chemistry yeah. with the teens and all that kind of stuff so i didn't kind of I, I, i've not seen the series i must admit or, or read the book i, I think i read the first I think I read, um, I, uh, I used to go to my um, friend's house in the morning before I went to school when I was a kid, and I can remember reading like, the first chapter or something, and it was <laughs> fucking terrifying. And so I've always wanted to read the rest of it, but it's so long, I've always been like, oh, no, I can't be bothered. But one of these oh, days, yeah, one of these days I will. It's long with time skips as well. Hmm. It's yeah. not like a straight story, and that's the worst part about the book. And I just want to know, like, the guy who's been cast as, like, I think it's Chucky, um there's one of the there's one of the uh the kids he gets written out pretty early spoiler alert um i have to wonder how pissed he was he was like oh i'm in it chapter two it's like oh wait i'm this guy <laughs> so i guess it won't be in it for long oh dear <laughs> yeah there's um it, it's interesting because it's a bit in the book which makes absolute sense when you like consider that this horror these kids face as as kids and this idea that, you know, you, you think you've got past it, you're into adult life, and now it's like, oh, it's come back, and we've got to go back and face it again. Um, there's those sorts of elements I think it touches on really well in both, like, the TV series and the books. And I'm just, as I said, I'm just really hoping that they keep going their unique way. They're not just sticking to the book and thinking, oh, we've got to keep honouring these elements and just keep just go their own direction because it's really working. Cool. Yeah, excellent. Cool. Well, uh, let's move on now to uh, some features that we've seen. Um, uh, I'll kick things off. As always, I've been watching a lot of Blu-ray screeners and such. Um, I don't go out to the cinema quite as often as, as I used to. Sort of time, money, and uh, and just the volume of screeners that I keep requesting is uh, it gets in the way. Uh, but I want. I've watched a lot of good stuff recently that I'd love to talk about. But I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick one that is very underseen. And uh, to be honest, before I, I requested a screener, I've, I'd never heard of it. I'd never even heard of the director. Um, but it got some good reviews. I thought, um, I'll give it a punt. I'll just give it a try. So, so I went for it and I absolutely adored it. So I'm going to talk about The Incident, uh, which has been released by Eureka. Um, as I say, I'd never heard of the director before. I, mean, I, I even need to double check his name because I've just forgotten. But yeah, it's Larry Pierce as the director. And uh, other than the incident, he's kind of done... He's not really done anything mega notable. He he, he made a, a film called One Potato, Two Potato that went down quite well at the time. It's quite controversial because it was one... I think it was one of the first films to kind of uh, look at interracial marriage. Um, so it's quite a, an eye-opener at the time because this, this is way back in uh, 1964. And then after that, even though that was uh, criti critically quite successful he disappeared into tv for a while he did like a uh, batman tv series green hornet branded stuff like that working on episodes uh, but then after working in tv for a couple of years he came back with with the incident it, this was 1967 and 1967 was quite a pivotal year for american cinema you got things like uh bonnie bonnie and clyde and um the graduate stuff like that it's kind of the turning point where new hollywood kicked into gear and, and this kind of fits the mould with those. This is a really kind of uh, tough, uncompromising film that's quite realistic. It's uh, far, far, far away from the sort of early 60s, late 50s sort of 
sugar-coated Hollywood stuff. This is kind of marking that change. But this film never really, it never really found the audience uh, that uh, a lot of the other big films of the late 60s did, like Easy Rider and all this kind of thing. But obviously it's lingered around in people's, some people's memories, so uh, Eureka have jumped on it and, and released it here in the UK. And what the film is about, it's quite a simple premise. It opens with, you see these uh, these two guys uh, called Artie and Joe, um, and they're played by, one of them is a, it's a very young Martin Sheen, and this is his first feature film role. I think he'd done some TV and stuff before, but it's his first feature film role. Uh, but Martin Sheen and Tony Masante, who, who Tony Masante is not as well known, but he's, he's when you look at his TV, he's done quite a lot um, over the years, a lot of sort of genre films and things. And um, But anyway, this, this pair of teenagers, they're like delinquents, they're these sort of... Uh, tough kind of assholes basically and they um you see them at the beginning kind of giving abuse to this pool hall owner and then they go out and mug this old man and beat him up and they're basically scum of the earth they're they're just they they're two of especially as the film goes on you realize they're two of the most like reprehensible characters i've I've ever seen on cinema but basically you see these guys at the beginning and then you then you start cutting to a load of random people around new york quite often couples uh, and often arguing couples and they're all converging onto a train. They're all they're all getting onto the the subway, and uh, and obviously you get the idea that oh wait, we're seeing all these people go onto the subway, and you know what's <coughs> happening next is these two kind of scumbag, asshole guys. They get on the subway too, and then the re- so that's the first half of the film is this slow build up of people just arriving and you're getting to know these characters a little bit, uh, and then the last half of the film is purely set um, on this subway train, and it's all about um, Joe and Artie. Uh, basically, just abusing these uh, these passengers, um, and it's it's not necessarily full on physical abuse. I mean, there, there's some kind of grabbing and stuff like that. But what they do is they kind of um, they they quickly kind of realize the flaws of these characters and the problems of these characters, and just dig into them as as far as possible. And it's just utter kind of psychological cruelty. And, and and it's just a nasty, nasty, nasty kind of film. It's it's really tough, but it's it's just gripping. You can't you can't keep your eyes off it. It's uh, I, I just couldn't can't recommend it enough. Really, a lot of it's down to the performances. Um, they did a lot of improvising. I think mainly improvising before the shot, so that they um kind of developed their characters and all this kind of thing. And um, so it's got a real kind of naturalism to it. And uh. It's just really powerful. It, it, it also it's also making kind of a lot of uh, big statements uh, about America at the time, particularly kind of New York at the time, which was kind of had a had a bad reputation as being a really tough, tough place to live, and uh, and that's kind of what the film is is also about is is, is um, the attitude at the time, and and it kind of it, it probably still happens now is that um, if you see something horrible happening in front of you, is there's just this kind of uh, trend that most people just don't do anything they just sit by in their own little bubble and it's like well if it's not happening to me i'm not getting involved because i don't want i don't want them to start abusing me because i mean the fact is there's quite a lot of people on this train uh, and there's just these two kind of young guys uh kind of uh torturing everyone else um but they they do it kind of one one by one like each person or each couple at least at a time and and there's loads of the passengers on the train and there's even some quite young strong guys on there they could easily like stop them physically um but they don't everyone kind of sits back they don't want to get involved and that's a lot of what the film is about and um, and what's interesting is without wanting to spoil the film too much is uh is even at the end there's there's kind of a there is a big kind of 
climax at the end when when things kind of finally boil over but there's quite an interesting shot at the end is when um after it's kind of all fizzled out uh the characters slowly walk off the off the train and and there's uh, throughout the throughout the film there's been this drunken guy on the train that is hobo kind of sleeping um in the carriage and the, the kind of hobo guy he rolls off and falls on the floor and everyone just walks past him like they don't care everyone else has kind of done that so even after all they've been through they still don't help this this other person who who does need help and uh, it's just kind of quite a it just makes the whole film quite a kind of searing indictment of people really of all of us because at the end of the day it makes you kind of think as well it's like as much as you like to think oh i'd stand up and i'd stop him it's like no i, I don't think i would <laughs> you know um I, i'd probably just hide away and try to not get involved it's uh um so it's uh yeah it's quite it's quite a powerful film kind of simple raw uh but very powerful and i just thought it was fantastic and uh briefly i mean in terms of the the blu-ray it's um uh it's got some it's not got loads of extras but they're really solid like it's got two commentaries um and they complement each other really nicely because you've got one with the director um so he kind of tells you about the anecdotes about what happened and and how he made the film and all this kind of stuff but then you've got um a uh, a film a critic uh, you've got alexandra helen nicholas uh, doing her own commentary and that kind of fills you up with that she analyzes the film more in depth and things so you, you can't get a totally different perspective on it um so yeah it's just a fantastic package so very highly recommended and I, as i say, i'd never heard of it but I'm, I'm very very glad i picked it up because it's uh yeah powerful stuff cool i don't know if anyone's if any of you guys heard of it or watched it or um, I haven't, but it reminds me a lot of Night Train Murders uh, by Aldo Laudo. They mentioned that on the features, actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, Italian Nasty, and mm. I believe it was on the Video Nasties list for a period, and you can now get it. Originally, it was released over here through Shameless Entertainment, and it's now available mm. for 88 films. Um, and yeah, basically, it's one of those... It's like Last House on the Left. It's uh, kind of like a rape revenge sort of flick where mm. uh, this man's gets violent revenge on these these scumbags who brutalized his daughter and her classmate um on this train from which he's going to play germany to italy um yeah it's <laughs> it's one of those movies that uh you're either going to view as art or or as disgusting trash it's it's very diverse in that respect so but um yeah certainly what you're telling me about just really as i listen to it it's like oh that sounds really sort of like night train murders so <laughs> yeah the fact that someone else thought well i'm gonna go make my own version of that but in a slightly more classy british way um so good for them but i'm not sure it's gonna be the sort of thing that i'm rushing to check out yeah it's, it's kind of it's kind of i want to recommend it because it's such a good film but at the same time it's pretty tough and it's uh it's one of those films you want to have a shower afterwards. It's it's just kind of a uh, grubby, nasty. Like even even the good guys like aren't really that good. Like most of the characters on the train are pretty are pretty horrible to each other. Um, you sympathise them w- with them because they're kind of getting attacked in this way. But a lot of them, especially the guys, uh, the the women kind of come off quite well. But the, uh, a lot of the men are horrible. There's like a there's like a date rapist in there who's just who's uh, yeah, it's 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 just horrible and. Um, Quite a few kind of married couples, and um, actually, no, in one of them, it's kind of the 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 uh, the wife that's uh, pretty nasty. But in most of them, the guy is just a bit of a dick. It's got a quite oh, there's a couple of other kind of notable names in there actually. Bo Bridges is in there, a very young Bo Bridges. Uh, he's he's he plays like a soldier uh, with his friend on the train, and you've also got um, Thelma Ritter, who I've always been a massive fan of. She 
crops up in loads of old movies and she always steals the show. She's got doesn't have as much to do here this time. I, she didn't she didn't quite steal the show like she she can do, but um it was good to see her pop up. Yeah. Cool. Right, I've, I've rambled on about that for quite a long time, I, I realise. But uh, I guess, uh, Jason, I haven't heard from you. For, um, what, what have you seen that you'd like to uh, talk about? Well, here's my problem is I don't really ever go out to the theatre at all. <laughs> no worries. And looking at my last few things that I watched, they were all Friday the 13th movies for my podcast. <laughs> Um, but I did want to talk about something. Uh, you sent me a list of all these uh, Blu-rays and DVDs that are oh, coming yeah. out in the UK. And I one popped my attention. Um, apparently, Arrow Video is going to be releasing The Hills Have Eyes Part 2 hmm. uh, on Blu-ray. And I just have to ask why. <laughs> um, because it has a flashback from the dog's perspective. That's what we yeah, all we really don't see that in Blu-ray, though, do we? I mean, <laughs> I mean, talk about like the most disappointing like sequel to like a pretty damn good movie. Like, I know we're used to it by now, but like you know, back then, you know, it was Wes Craven for crying out loud. You think he wouldn't go wrong, but lo and behold, yeah, we get we get this really terrible follow-up to what was what was pretty much a very gritty grimy film about like these cannibals who live out in the desert and this family gets trapped in the, in the desert and they get terrorized by these people uh the sequel follows like a couple of the people from the family uh just happen to be coming along the same path again <laughs> uh but this time they're into motorbikes now and um they also have the same dog from the first movie who, as Elwood mentioned, has a flashback <laughs> sequence um, where, like, 80% of this movie is, like, flashback, where it just flashbacks to stuff in the first movie, um, mainly because everyone that was involved in the making of this movie wanted nothing to do with it, and they just kind of cobbled it together at the last minute and then just kind of farted out a movie, and that's kind of what got here. Um, but, yeah, this, this should have just kind of just stayed buried and hidden like this didn't need to come out the the remakes were far better than these the, than this sequel where like both the remakes like one and two really? i felt a lot more better than the than, than part two of the original i like the like, alessandra um alessandra aj remake of the original i think that was probably one of the most grittiest re- remakes of horror films of just 2000 uh but yeah hills of ice 2 i was so excited to see that the remake version and that was awful as well so I don't know. I'm not saying it was good. It was better than the original part two. Because <laughs> at least it kind of had a linear story happening. Yeah. There was different stuff happening. But like this one was just like, here's a little stuff, and then here's a flashback to the first movie. And I don't know. It, it, it's just terrible and just super disappointing. To the point where I had to like look up what happened in the movie because I completely forgot after I watched it. It's like that unmemorable. <laughs> like what happened I, I completely forgot and i still not convinced that i actually seen this i know i did because i don't remember a lot of this stuff happening but uh sure enough yeah the, the only thing i can remember is god damn it that that dog had a flashback <laughs> <laughs> and and like i love the way they did it too it's just this, this super close up on this dog and then it does that dream effect and then we just get like a scene that the dog wasn't even there for top of that off it just shows like a random scene from the first movie um 
So I'm just going to say skip this one. Just go see the original Hills Have Eyes and just pretend there was no sequel. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> How about you, Elwood? What have you been uh, watching? Um, well, much like Jason, I think my my film viewing is always like a year behind everyone else. So I've only just, as of last night, watched Into the Spider-Verse um, and Batman Ninja. But the film, what I'm going to talk about, um, is a new release. It came on Netflix this week, and that's the documentary Enter the Anime. Um, okay. Now, Netflix recently have decided they're going to get into the anime game as of the last year or so. So they've been buying up a few key anime properties like Evangelion. They've put a, been producing their own, such as like High Score Girl. And... They're kind of trying to put their get a piece of the pie that obviously at the moment is either like Funimation or Crunchyroll have got like the dominant market for. Um, so I was really interested to see like see this, and it promises to be this like introduction to anime, and I think that's really great because obviously anime being as big and expansive as it is now, it's not like when I got into anime in the sort of like late eighties where it was all like demons and ultraviolet <laughs> Yeah, it's just like really <laughs> grotesque and violent stuff, and unsurprising the British press will like you know ban this sick filth and we wonder what the hell people in Japan were into but um, obviously now we've got this huge range of uh, shows available um, unfortunately this documentary doesn't want to really cover any of that it's basically a show of Netflix's own anime catalogue which you know is fair enough that's not too much of an issue but when you've got um, Adi Shankar who was the producer on the recent Castlevania anime his opening statement is, I'm a travel, I'm a time traveler. And he's saying this with the utmost seriousness and the fact that his dog is human and he has a power glove, which as a kid of the 80s, I can tell you, no one thought power gloves were cool back then. So <laughs> we need to think that it's cool now, isn't it? <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, he also proclaims himself as being the Tarantino of anime, which I don't think anyone's ever said about him. <laughs> no. So, yeah, I mean, this is the opening 10 minutes. So once you get past his sort of jackassery, um, you get some more clips of, you know, Netflix anime shows. And you have this um, this girl who's supposed to be like the directing it. And she's like, what is anime? I went on Google and looked up anime. So basically, it's how I do my production is what you get as a documentary. So someone on Google and then she goes to Japan and it's like, isn't everyone in Japan really weird? They're into like gothic Loita and they read comic books. And it's like, wow, this is like real basic Orientalism God. that I'm sure we got over like in like the mid 90s when we realized that no, Japanese culture is different, but it's still pretty much the same as ours. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it's really, really painful to watch. And I mean, it's only an hour long. So the fact that I was pretty much done by, I don't know, about 20 minutes in. And it's not; it's only sort of like added to by the fact you've got the director Alex uh, Baranowska's mm. narration, which is basically like um, open mic night comedy, where <laughs> she just like uh, makes like these jokes, which I'm sure her and her friends probably thought were funny, like the fact that Japan spends uses more paper to produce um, at, at manga novels than it does toilet paper, which has a lot to say about Japan's fiber intake. And it's like, wow, that's a that's a fascinating insight there. So uh, yeah, it's just absolute trash, and just just avoid it. Um, there is a couple of other older 
documentaries you can find on YouTube, such as like Invasion Anime, um, and there's one that the BBC Two did prior to their showing of Akira, like back in '93, which is also worth checking out, even though it's kind of dated. I think it's just sort of verges on them calling anime um, Japanimation. <laughs> so, but you know, it's a hell of a lot better than what we get here. So, cool. Yeah, I must admit, I was. Uh... I do like a bit of anime. I, I, I'm, I get quite behind the times with it, though. But I think it's—I uh, used to like watching a lot of the uh, anime films, but these days yeah. there aren't as many of the films. It tends to be more focused on the series, and I just don't have the time to get through them. But uh, I've seen a few of the classic ones that I love. Uh, I'm a big Cowboy Bebop man, and um, I, I saw Neon Genesis Evangelion back in the day. But yeah, I, I, used, I used to love anime. Um, obviously, I, I really got into Studio Ghibli once I kind of discovered that, but it started more with like like the classics. It was Akira, Ghost in the Shell, and Ninja Scroll was a big one. <laughs> that, was, that was amazing. Yeah, because so, it was like Manga Entertainment that were like the only guys bringing it over here. Yeah, and yeah. of course, they were just focusing on like really violent titles. <laughs> yeah. That was their, their bread and butter. So you had like Dominion Tank Police. Yeah. We do 808 Cyber Police and stuff. So yeah, it's uh, it's nice now that you've got this broader range, but at the same time, as you said, there's a lot of stuff like Dragon Ball. That's like 232 episodes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and a lot of it's filler because mm. they weren't making they were they weren't writing the books fast enough for them to produce the anime. So <laughs> you have things such as like, oh, Goku has a foot race against Satan. Goku gets his driving license. Goku <laughs> plays baseball. It's like wow. Um, this combined with you have like five episodes of some guy powering up. It's <laughs> it's a lot of filler to dig through, but yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's take a look at uh, what is coming out on Blu-ray and DVD and such. So over the next... Like, we'll do a month and a half, I think. So the rest of August and September. I might let you guys start because there's a lot of good stuff coming out. So I struggle to only pick a couple. So I might I might just jump in on the leftovers. Uh, so Jason, I mean, obviously we've heard from you about... Um, <laughs> <laughs> about one of the upcoming releases yeah are there any that you are uh, looking forward to <laughs> <laughs> um well let's see looking at the list um there's one that i'm looking forward to not because it's a movie i like but just so it could be that other people finally get to watch it and i think it's interesting that uh Salo or 120 days of sodom is coming out in <laughs> september Nice. Uh, which I know is a Criterion release, which that in itself is kind of amazing unto itself. Um, but my friend and former uh, uh, website co-owner, Nick Job forced me to watch this movie one time. And I've not forgiven him since. <laughs> um, I I don't know if I need to go into what happens in Salo or 120 Days of Sodom. I've heard enough about that. Heard enough of the rumors. <laughs> Yeah. I, I've I've managed to narrowly avoid it. It's always so it's one of those films I sometimes feel I should, and then I'm realizing no, 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 let's not bother. <laughs> um, basically, if you have kids, you've you, you've pretty much experienced this movie because it's just filled <laughs> of just shit and vomit uh, and uh, other various disgusting things and other stuff not related to having kids that I I don't want to get into right now, <laughs> but um. I, I I don't know why this is on this list of stuff coming up. Was this banned in the UK and it's just now okay to be, to be, to be no, released? It, it's a, strangely enough, it has been. It's been knocking around for a while. I, I imagine it probably was banned at some point, but um, it's been around for a while on on DVD at least. But I don't know the the BF, uh, well the BFI are really are also in August. They're releasing some of Pasolini's other films. They're doing his trilogy of life. 
Um, I did see August. that up on top too. So yeah, so um, they're just I don't, I don't know. I guess they feel they need to complete the collection. <laughs> but it's one of those films. It does have. It does kind of have quite a. A, a strong reputation with with critics sometimes, but from what I've heard of it, it just sounds. I mean, I I tend I watch a lot of stuff, but no, it just sounds like it's going to be a chore and a, just a, a nightmarish watch. And I'm just no. I've also got a horrible fear of vomit. Anything with people throwing up everywhere, I'm just like no, 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 thanks. Yeah, don't. Yeah, I I I will not recommend anyone to watch this. Like I I I would feel terrible. If someone watched this because I said something about it, like do not watch this. It's and and to me, it just feels like the the, the whole thing was like, hey, this is symbolic of something, but it's just an excuse to have people poop on each other for forty five <laughs> minutes, and that, that's just how I felt about it. Like you know, at the end of it, like that really meant nothing at all. It was just an excuse to be terrible. At least you know, like when John Waters does it, he's he admits that, like, yeah, I'm just having this person eat poop, just to eat poop. You know, he's not saying it's symbolic of anything. So at least I can handle that. But when someone's trying to be like, this is art, you don't understand it. This person pooping on this guy's chest, oh, this is totally symbolic of war. Like, no, dude, just get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> awesome. So. Yeah, don't watch it. <laughs> Another fine recommendation. Awesome. <laughs> How about you, Elwood? What uh, title or titles have, have you picked out? Oh, there's so much uh, here that I wanted to to talk about. I mean, first off, I want to highlight Big Bad Wolves, uh, which was released back in 2013. And it really surprised me. It just disappeared without a trace. Because um, this got the back, got uh, Quentin Tarantino raving about it. Got it his best film of the year. And it's uh, follow. It's from Israel, and it was follows on from Rabies. I think it was only the second horror film that they would release. But it's directed by um, Aaron Cashels and Navot uh, Pupishold. I'm going to apologise if I just butchered the <laughs> hell out of those names. Um, and basically, it follows a series of violent murders of young girls, and these three men find their lives on a collision course with each other. You've got uh, Gili, who's the father of the Lacer victim, and he's now got this sort of, like, fuel for a, with this, like, lust for revenge. And you've got Miki, who's a rogue, uh, he's like a dirty cop, and you've got uh, Draw, who's a school teacher, and he's also the main suspect. And despite the fact that uh, Draw has already been arrested already, and he's sort of released, and basically it falls down to uh, this father and this, this cop, they decide to go vigilante on him and they're going to determine that they're going to get him to confess to the murders that they believe is responsible to. Um, this film's a little torture heavy, but it doesn't go as far as some like the more notorious torture porn films. But it's a really interesting thriller, and especially over here in the UK where we've got people like go hunting, where you've got like these vigilante pedophile hunting groups. It's sort of like a real sort of question of that line between law and order and what happens when we take decide to take the law into our own hands and where that sort of line is. Um, as I say, it's a really great thriller and it will keep you hooked right through to the end. And it does surprise me. It just sort of disappeared without a trace. Um, as I thought it was absolutely fantastic when it, when it came out and it's hopefully more people that discover it now. Yeah, I it's, it's it's I must admit it's a film I I've got it on DVD, um, but it's one of my many films in my collection that I haven't got around to watching yet. Uh, but I'd, I'd heard very good things about it, and uh, had some personal recommendations. I think Justin, who writes the site, loved it, and uh, I think he reviewed it for the site actually. 
Um, so um, yeah, I'm, it's one I'll have to I'll have to dig out definitely, definitely. Next up, you've got the from Eureka. You've got the Samuel Hung trilogy, which yes. is got the Iron Fisted Monk, Magnificent Butcher, and Eastern Condors, which we recently covered on the Asian Cinema Film Club. Um, of these, I would say that uh, Eastern Condors is like the really interesting one, as it's kind of like a kung fu version of the Deadly Dozen. As you've got Samuel Hung here, who slimmed down, he got a haircut, and here he plays this Rambo-like figure and Basically, you've got these convict soldiers that are sent into Vietnam to destroy an American ammo dump um, in, te- in in which if they complete, they'll get early parole and they will get um, they get citizenship. And it's a w- weird movie because it obviously starts off like this Dirty Dozen movie and then it has like these rumble moments with Samuel Hung doing his bits and pieces. And then by the end, it just turns into like a full-blown Bond movie with this like giggling Vietnamese um general um it's a really fantastic film there's a whole host of just really great um people especially if you're really into hong kong cinema you've got a lot of people like um yon bio here who plays uh sort of like his sidekick uh you've also got summer hung's wife who plays a, a cambodian freedom fighter you've got uh, young will ping as well as soldiers and there's a number of other guys who sort of turned up and who were like either like stunt players or choreographers who play main roles here and uh, they've also got Landlord from the uh, Kung Fu Hustle plays one of the roles here as well. And it's just a really fun boys' own adventure-style war movie. It's not like a horrors of war. It's more, as I say, it's more like Deadly Dozen or Inglorious Bastards, like the original Italian version. Um, but this version is boasting the uncut version, which my money isn't really necessary because it just... All that was cut out of the UK version is just a couple of scenes of animal cruelty with uh, young Biol casually pulling a snake's head off, so... I know. If you like animal cruelty, then check <laughs> that out. We must see that shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm Fisted Monk. I mean, it's That's great. It's uh, Sarah Hunk's directorial debut. And uh, Magnificent Butcher, I mean, again, that's directed by Yong Wu Ping, which I think if you see Yong Wu Ping directing anything, like I'm Monkey and, and whatnot, mm-hmm. then it's uh, always worth a check. And both of those are sort of more traditional, sort of like Kung Fu movies and Kind of a change from like the more horror stuff that he was he would be known for, but uh, yeah, all three films are really good if you don't know them already. But a little bit of a pricey tag there. Yeah, well, I, I, that's that was definitely on my list of, of one of the one of the uh, sets to talk about. I'm a big Sammo Hunting fan, and uh, but for me, actually, um, Magnificent Butcher is one of my all time favorite martial arts films. I love it. There's just something about the choreography and the energy of it, and the, it it just kind of hits my sweet spot. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing that. I, I mean, I've got it on DVD, but just to see it. Polished up in blue with features and things, and I can't wait. Eastern Condors is actually one I, I, I haven't seen it for a long, long, long time, and so I I can't remember a lot about it. So I'm really looking forward to kind of revisiting it because um I don't know when I first saw it I enjoyed it, but I don't know I think I just watched it alongside a lot of other martial arts movies and just can't can't remember it. Um, and Iron Fisted Monk I've never actually seen it, so I'm very, very much looking forward to this set. It's, it's kind of more of my most highly anticipated releases of the the next month or so. Yeah, I'm definitely with you on that. Yeah, um, we've also got uh, Cruising, which is a film which has really come into vogue recently. I think now because the current climate, it's acceptable to you know see a film featuring heavy, uh, heavy gay presence, and there's no not to get creeped out because you know that you know you can watch gay men and not feel feel that you have to like question your own sexuality. So it's um. A bit of a controversial film, especially because it's an Al Pacino movie, but it's a Will and Frickrin 
movie and just is a really nice, real grimy <coughs> thriller. Um, here he's basically, he plays like an undercover cop who's like investigating a slasher that's preying on New York's uh, gay and S&M bars. And yeah, it's, uh, it, it's one of those movies I remember like some of my American friends, they like talk about their mother taking them to go and see Cruising because they really liked Al Pacino. <laughs> <laughs> which is something we don't get in the uk because we have age ratings and we respect them we don't just drag our kids to go and see like 18 rated movies because we want to see al pacino in leather <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's weird it's like i'm always torn with the rating systems because when i was younger particularly i kind of i was always really frustrated with our racing system i always thought it was a bit too extreme but then at the same time i, I sometimes um on the other side of the coin you, you some of the films that little kids can go and see in um in America, it's always always kind of baffles me, uh, but uh, I don't know. It's different different styles. Really. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, are there any others that you picked out? Or um, last one I would say is Dragged Across Concrete, which I didn't catch in the cinemas. So I think it had a blink and you miss it release in the cinemas over here. But this is S. Craig Zaya, who really is the the guy to see if you're into the Neil Grindhouse scene. He's the guy to see because he did Bone Tomahawk and he did Brawl in Cell Block Ninety Nine, both really you know, brutal. Um, and awesome movies. I mean, Bone Tomahawk obviously being cannibals in the Western and uh, Braun and Silver 99 were just Vince Vaughn just beating everyone in sight. Um, I mean, that's a film where he deconstructs a car with his bare hands and it's nice to see Vince Vaughn doing some, you know, proper acting rather than, you know, bro comedy. So here he's uh, teamed up with Mel Gibson. Nah, not Mel Gibson. Uh, Mel Gibson. <laughs> Um, and they just play a couple of rogue cops um, descending into the criminal um, underworld after they are suspended for assaulting a suspect on video. Um, I like the trailer, even though Mel Gibson seems to be like really intense since he's had this comeback. He just seems really intense all the time. It's like, you know, just chill out, Mel. Cheer up. <laughs> you don't have to be so intense all the time. Not but yeah, enough. that's the one I'm most looking forward to anyway of uh, of the new releases I haven't seen. Yeah, I'm quite. I must admit, I still, I, I still haven't seen um, any of his films. The, the director's films, sorry, uh, they're all on my watch list. I, I do have, again, I have a copy of Bow Tomahawk and haven't watched it yet. But yeah, I keep, I keep meaning to. I, I will get there one of these days. <laughs> Always playing catch up. Anything else? Or is that? Uh, that's that's it. I mean, obviously, Old Boy's got a 4K yeah. release. <laughs> I think. I mean, everyone knows what Old Boy is at this point. It's the <laughs> Second best film in Park Chan Wook's Vengeance trilogy after Laid to Vengeance, but you know it's nice they released it in cinemas again. That's yeah, but, what, yeah. What is special about that though is because um, what happened because uh, I don't know if you followed this, but because they Arrow Arrow announced they're going to release Old Boy in this crazy box set with tons of special features, like a ludicrous amount of special features. Um, so everyone's like, oh, exciting. Uh, <laughs> but then what happened uh, a month or so later? Um, they they couldn't get the rights to some of the features and, and, and I think it was only a small number I don't know just a documentary or something um, but they felt they because they supposedly they they felt bad about the letting everyone down so they decided to include the entire vengeance trilogy <laughs> instead so now it's a full even though it's still just says like old boy in the box it is actually the entire trilogy which is weird I, I'd have thought they'd just call it the vengeance trilogy to be honest as, as amazing as old boy is um, I think the other two are just as strong. Um, particularly Mr. Vengeance. I've always been quite a fan of the first film, to be honest. Um, so that, that sets, yeah, it's going to be amazing. Um, I, I've asked for, requested a review screener, so hopefully there'll be something up on the site. Um, but with a big set like that, there's a chance I might not get it because I'm sure loads of people want to review it. But 
we shall see. I'm, I'm sure I'll still get my hands on it at some point anyway. I think Arrow is still mad at me, so I don't <laughs> think I'm going to be getting a review copy. So. <laughs> no I, um, cause I, was, I mean, I was a Tartan kid. I love Tartan so much, so mm-hmm. to say that they're picking on the bones of Tartan, it didn't go well with them, so I don't <laughs> think they're going to send me one. Oh, dear. <laughs> but, no, I, I love that Arrow, obviously, point releases. So I don't like the fact that they do, like, a thousand copies of, like, um, Bowser Art on a Humanity. And then we're just left with trader prices for everything. And it's like, yeah. uh, just keep producing stuff. Don't do limited runs. Do your thousand and see where you are. And yeah. just don't say, yeah, that's all. Or like, yeah, like what a lot of the companies do, I guess, is have their limited edition with a booklet and all in a case or whatever. And, and they do with just a, a thousand of those. But then, I don't know, a year down the line or a few months down the line, they'll just do a more slightly more <laughs> basic edition with uh, without any booklets and stuff. And that, Yeah, that's... you just tend to get the older all the single discs and it's yeah. sort of like oh, that's just a pain in the ass to store <laughs> yeah, so. but yeah cool but it's uh def- definitely a release to look forward to and um, that was that was another one on my list so i can, I can cross them off because I, I was going to struggle to to narrow it down too much um but yeah i'll quickly whiz through uh some of the ones that i was looking forward to there's one that's actually out on the 12th of august um which <laughs> is probably going to be the day i post this podcast hopefully uh, but that is being John Malkovich, um, Arrow Academy, releasing that one, and uh, that was it was one of the. Um, I might be wrong. Is that is that one of the ninety nine nineteen ninety nine films? I think because there's so many good films came out that year. Yeah, ninety nine. Um, yeah, it came out ninety nine, the greatest film year ever. So it, it's insane. <laughs> and and I was just the right age then. Um, I forget how old I was, but I, I was I, I was really getting into cinema then, and there's so much good stuff coming out. And that was one of my favorites at, at, at the time. Well, it's, I still love it. Um, I've not seen it for for ages, but it's just so original and so out there, uh, but still holds together. Like it doesn't feel so bonkers. It's it's hard to follow or anything. It's just so many clever ideas, and it works so well. It's funny. It's interesting. It's it's engaging. It's um, I, I absolutely adore that film. Um, funnily enough, I didn't actually request a review copy because uh, I, I was too busy, and and I've I've got it on on DVD and stuff. So, and I was really did, uh, surprised that no one else on the site went for it. So there won't be a review of this, which is shocking. But um, I'm, I'm sure I'll pick it up further down the line when I, I just can't resist it. Um, so yeah, there's that one. Uh, there's also Clute, uh, Criterion releasing Clute, which for some reason has just kind of never got a decent release in the UK. It never, even though it's quite, it's a well-respected film. It won loads of awards and things, and uh, and it, it's never been out on DVD in the UK. It's it's just now suddenly straight to Blu-ray out of nowhere. And uh, I won't say much about that because I've reviewed it on the site. So check my Check my review out on there, uh, but needless to say, I, I loved it. I thought it was incredible. So what else have we got? And uh, we've also got Do the Right Thing, uh, also from Criterion, on the 26th of August. Uh, that's another classic. I mean, I, I don't need to say too much about stuff like this, like you were saying with Old Boy. I think a lot of people have seen it. But, I still uh, need to see it. Ah, well, yes, you do need to see it then. No, it's, uh, it, it, it is fantastic. I want to spike these best. Um, it's got such an amazing energy to it, and... Uh, yeah, it's it's one of the kind of, it's um, the kind of the way he deals with the kind of slowly simmering to to boiling kind of tension in the film's amazing. Uh yeah, it's, that's that's a fantastic one. Uh then in moving into September, we have one that I was very very excited about was High Noon, uh which Eureka are releasing on the 16th of September and I watched it last night actually. I've I've uh, got hold of an early screener and it, it's a film I've not seen since uh I had it on VHS. God knows how long ago when when I was a a teen young teenager first getting into classic cinema and I, I went through a phase of only watching films that were like in Empire's top one hundred films of all time and all this kind of stuff um, a real snob 
and um, I still am, I guess. But and, and, but they um, but they and, and I watched it then and I thought it was great. But I just haven't seen it since, and I've wanted to rewatch it for a long time. But it's it's kind of it's disappeared. It's really, I think it did get released on DVD, but you never really see it hanging around. And Eureka have suddenly come out with this awesome edition with loads of features and all this kind of jazz. And I saw it last night, and it was amazing. It was it was uh, probably even better than I remembered. I think now that I'm older, I kind of appreciate a lot more of um, what's going on in the in the background, really. And uh, but yeah, I will I'll have a review of that up um, soon, hopefully. But that, that that was that's absolutely fantastic. That's definitely one to look forward to. Another one on in the same the same week on the sixteenth of September is Apocalypse Now. I mean, ever uh, most people have probably seen this, but I had to mention it because it's one of my like top ten favorites. I adore Apocalypse Now. And it's getting a 4K treatment. It's coming out in cinemas. And it's also got this new... It does bother me a little bit there's a new version of it because there's, what, three, four versions of this film now? We're but, four, uh, I think, now. Yeah, and, and this is the... Is it called The Final Cut or something? <laughs> Hopefully it is The Final Cut. As much as I love the film, it's like, oh, my God, just leave it alone. Um, but, yeah, there's a new version out as well. Um, and the, the 4K in the Blu-ray release is insane. There's just, like, how it's got hats of darts on there. It's got all sorts of jazz on there and it's um that looks awesome so i'm looking forward to that yeah i think that's pretty much it. i mean the other ones i was going to mention we've already already mentioned but definitely the samo hung set and the old boy set fantastic there's, there's even there are others i could even mention to be honest but but yeah we've got a good couple of months coming forward so yeah lots to look forward to awesome well that kind of ties us up then uh yeah i guess a bit before i kind of we say goodbye are there any plugs you guys want to make for your sites podcasts or anything like that yeah, so yeah, you can find me and my friend Rachel over at Maniac with a Machete. Uh, best place would be our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Maniac with a Machete. Uh, or you can subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify and Podomatic and Google Play. And like, and I was serious about SoundCloud. We are on there as well. Awesome. Uh, so if you like Friday the 13th movies, uh, definitely check that out. Cool. How about you, Albert? Have you got anything uh yeah, I mean, obviously, on Movies and Tea, we're in the midst of season three after the final games of Paul Deprecier Sanderson and Guillermo del Toro. Our third season's looking at Sofia Coppola, and um, our, we've just put out the episode on Veteran Suicides, and uh, next up is uh, Lost in Translation. Cool. Um, when you can find that at Movies and Tea um, podcast.wordpress.com. And uh, for the Asian Cinema Film Club, as I mentioned already, we've got our next episode will be Eastern Condors, uh, which will be coming up. And nice. um, before that, uh, we had Tom Connell, who's uh, the author of uh, No Flesh Shall Be Spared, which is a UFC versus zombies movie, uh, book even. And uh, he was on talk about Lone Wolf and Cub, in particular Sword of Vengeance, the first film. And uh, that was a lot of fun. And uh, you can check that out as well as obviously, you know, David's writings and other, as we said, all the other fun stuff we have over there, and that's uh, asiancinemafilmclub.wordpress.com. Um, and obviously, we're both sites on all the social media, so, you know, come stalkers, be our fake cyber friend. It's all welcome. Awesome, good stuff. Uh, well, yeah, I guess I've got nothing special to plug, just kind of business as usual, loads of reviews um, over at blueprintreview.co.uk. So, yeah, and uh, hopefully this uh, podcast will be... Uh, uh, a new kind of thing to look out for uh, so yeah we'll, I'll try and keep it regular I'll try my best and um, we'll, we'll get there <laughs> but yeah cool thanks a lot again guys for, for coming on at such short notice it was uh, very much appreciated um, no problem I, yeah I yeah. might have to give you a call later on if I'm let down again but um, <laughs> yeah cool thanks very much and uh, yeah leave you to it thanks for listening 